Hi there, my name is Erica Browning, and I am blown away by all the places your nursing degree can take you. Here, we showcase basic nurses doing some really cool things. My goal is to bring to you ideas, options, and inspiration. Think of this as a fun conversation with a friend where you laugh a ton and leave feeling encouraged and empowered. That nursing degree you worked so hard for is just the beginning. I'm here to show you what is possible. This is the Black Sheep Nurse Podcast. Hi, Kelly. Hello. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm so good. I really appreciate you coming on. Let me introduce you a little bit to our listeners. I'm so excited today. Today we have Kelly Meister. Um, She has her master's in nursing, and then she also has a master's in forensic nursing. Is that correct? Correct. I have a master's in forensic nursing. My other master's is in strategic studies for the Army. (laughs) Oh, okay. Which leads us into Kelly used to be in the Army. She was an Army nurse for 22 years. So thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you for your support. It was an amazing 22 years. So, yes. Well, I can't wait to tell everyone about it because I feel like nurses would be interested in that. And then additionally, you just retired again recently and you're doing um, consulting. You have your own consulting firm called KM Consulting LLC and you do forensic nurse consulting for the government. And so I just, I am certain so many nurses will be (laughs) want to know more about this and at least because the whole point of the podcast is to introduce nurses to things that they can do with their degree and this is one of them you're doing it is about our degree you get tired of one type of nursing you can do another or if you get hurt you can like i did in iraq then you can do another type of nursing so it's just you know i love our field yeah i have to when were you in iraq um, actually, when they cleared Sadr City. So I was in Iraq from, let's see, I deployed September or October of 2005 and came back the following fall in 06. Mm-hmm. I was in Iraq at Fab Kalsu and we got there June of 2004 and I left in January 2005. So I was just right before uh, Right before me. Yeah, I was in the green zone at Ibn Sina. That's when I was a trauma flight nurse, but we'll get into all that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, so there's so much to go over. Let's start from the beginning, Kelly. Where are you from? Originally, I'm from the northwest northwest suburbs of Chicago. I was born in Arlington Heights, uh, graduated from Wheeling High School. And um, so that's where I was until probably junior high. And then when my parents divorced, I moved with my dad to our family resort. My grandmother had a resort in Marblehead. And so I came out here, or well, yeah, because I'm I'm back in Ohio. So I went out to Ohio, finished up um, some high school, met my husband, got married, had kids, you know. Um, yeah. So in Ohio, so that's where okay. I am now. Twenty some years later, I came back to Ohio after the military to be with my kids and six grandkids. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So you were in Chicago, you moved to Ohio. That's where you graduated high school. Did you always know that you wanted to go into the army and or be a nurse? How did that happen? No, actually all growing up, I wanted to be a journalist. My plan was to go to UCLA and then travel the world as a journalist. And um, that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
And uh, but I always wanted to be in the military. So in high school, I was supposed to join the Air Force right after high school. And then I had um, an emergency surgery and I couldn't go. And then, you know, I met, fell in love, had kids and then lived life for a little bit. Um, I didn't join the Army until I was 30. Oh, okay. By the time I could join. Pardon? Was your husband in the Army too or no? No. (laughs) Nope, he was not. I was getting divorced and I was going to be a single mom and I hadn't finished my college education and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I was like, I'm gonna go in the service. So I went back to the Air Force, but I was too old. So uh, I was too old for the Marines. And so I went to the army and they're like, we'll take you. So I actually went in the army as a fueler, fueling aircraft enlisted. I was um, fortunate enough, they had, the army has this army enlisted commissioning program for nursing. So if you're enlisted, they will pay for your last two years of nursing school. And then you pass the NCLEX and then you get commissioned. So I got paid the whole time I was in school. So I didn't have to have another job. Um, while I was going to nursing school. And then I went from corporal to second lieutenant and then I was a nurse. Wow. (laughs) I love that. See, I often wonder if, and maybe you know this, if there's people out there that hate or they know from the very beginning, I want to go into the army and be a nurse. Can they sign up and start in army nursing school? Do you know how that works or do they have to go into the army, do some other job and then transition? There's a couple different ways to do it. And okay. so like you could go to college and do ROTC and go to nursing school and then be commissioned after nursing school. You can okay. do it that way. Some people, uh, some men and women have already been nurses for a while and then they want to go in the army and they can get a direct commission. They can go straight okay. from the hospital or wherever they're at right into the army. Um, or if you're in the army and you want to be a nurse, you can get all your prerequisites done, apply to nursing school, and that's what I did, and then apply to the Army Enlisted Commissioning Program, and they pay you and send you to your last two years of school and then commission you. And then you have to serve a certain amount of time on active duty to pay that back. I just kept going because I was just having the time of my life. <laughs> oh, I love that. So when you're in the Army, what was your first, and you became a nurse, what was your first nursing specialty or job? Oh, I was on the med surge floor, actually, at okay. Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And um, I loved it. I was actually at Fort Sill for five years, which is a long time to be somewhere in Army nursing. Um, at that time, it was. But I was fortunate. I did many different things. But we all started out as med surge nurses. And I really liked that because it laid a nice foundation for everything else. Now, nine months after I became a nurse and was at Fort Sill, I deployed to Iraq and on the job training for a trauma flight nurse in the ICU back then. Amazing, most professionally rewarding experience of my life was that time in Iraq. So, yeah, so that's what I did. I went med surge, went to Iraq, and while I was at Fort Sill, you know, they kind of float you around to different units and you can cross train. And I had cross trained in the ICU and I had cross trained in the ER. So when I deployed, they're like, we're putting you in the ICU. <laughs> I'm going to draw my ICU. Oh my, so, yeah. You cannot replicate that sort of trauma experience overseas in a war zone anywhere. No, you cannot. Um, yeah, so I imagine when you came back, they're like, yep, we've got plans for you. Uh, 
it was amazing. The trauma surgeons and everybody. We had an FST, which is a Ford sport team that was co-located with us. And their, um, the head of their nursing was a trauma nurse, and he taught us the triad of death, and he taught us how to be trauma nurses, and then he taught us how to be f- trauma flight nurses right there in Baghdad, and it was just amazing. Oh, my gosh. You will never – I have to imagine that, like, shaped you into who you are today. I mean, I just – It was because I was such a baby nurse, and, you know, I still had that naivety that, you know – there's nothing worse than death. Well, when you're in the middle of a war zone, you see things that are worse than death and you see yeah. death. And so it kind of it changes your mindset. What is a good death? Um, how to uh, talk with families because we treated Iraqi families as well. How to talk mm-hmm. to them and talk about death and how to comfort. And it was just there was so much I learned so early on as a nurse that I feel very fortunate that I was able to do what I did. So to back up a little bit, you said that when you get out of army nursing school, you go onto the med surge floor. Does every, do they require everyone to start out in med surge? At that time, before you could specialize, if you hadn't already had a specialty. So some nurses now come in and they have years of trauma experience or years of ER experience, years of ICU. Then they don't have to go to the med surge floor because they have a solid foundation. But at the time when I came in, you know, as a nurse, we all came out of the officer basic force, which it isn't even called that anymore. <laughs> so I'm dating myself. And we were all brand new nurses and we all were med surge nurses first. Okay. So you start out med surge and then you go over to Iraq and it's trial by fire, you know, with trauma nursing, trauma flight nursing, you come back, they scoop you up into the ICUs there. Of course they would. At some point, you introduce forensic nursing in the military into your list of specialties. How did that happen? That's a great story, too, because I had never even heard of forensic nursing when I came right. back from Iraq. So I was working in the ICU, and my director of nursing um, said, hey, do you want to be a forensic nurse? And I'm like, what's a forensic nurse? <laughs> and, uh, she's like, so we have this in Lawton, Oklahoma, there's four or five hospitals. You have a county hospital, you have a private hospital, you have the military hospital. I think there's an Indian hospital. So there's a lot of medical facilities there, but they all shared the SANE center. So they had one clinic where Southwest Oklahoma, anybody who um, had experienced a sexual assault and wanted medical care, it was a private place, and then all the hospitals shared call. They, there was a certain amount of nurses that would be trained at each hospital, and then we would share call. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, actually, I think I, I'll, yeah, I'll do that. And so they sent me to training, and um, it was a week-long course of didactic, and then you had to do so much clinical with somebody at that point. And then after I'd done, I think, like 10 exams, then I was on my own. I think I did over 100 exams that first year. And so as I was in training and um, I just fell in love with it. And that from then on, that was my calling and passion was forensic nursing. However, there wasn't a full time forensic nursing slot in the Army at that time. So I was dual hatted. So the forensic nursing was on the side extra time while I was either nice you or I was also 
um, head of a clinic or assistant nurse of a unit. And then, you know, I was a forensic nurse on top of that. Yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned how it was organized in what you said, Southeast Oklahoma or Southwest. Southwest. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've had several forensic nurses. I used to be a forensic nurse years ago when I was in DC and we've had several forensic nurses on that are in various different roles because one, pe- nurses don't know that the forensic nurse specialty exists. And then even if they know it exists, they don't know all of the variability within that one specialty. Oh, so yeah. uh, it's just endless. And so I've had someone, multiple forensic nurses on, but doing different jobs and several of them, I had Shalada was episode one. So everyone, Kelly knows Shalada. So go back and listen to episode <laughs> one. But so Shalada is starting all of these sexual assault clinics in Mississippi as a special projects coordinator. And then they provide, you know, sexual assault services to patients in DC. It's a nonprofit that services Um, Mm -hmm. the DC residents and patients who need sexual assault services. And then in Virginia, there's a couple of hospitals, the hospital houses Mm -hmm. the sexual assault program. And then you're saying in, what was it? Southeast or Southwest? Southwest Oklahoma at Fort Sill. Southwest Oklahoma. It's like a region. And then there's a one program for the region, whether you're army civilian, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's how it was then. I'm not sure if it still is because that was quite a long time ago. That's how I yeah. started. And then like in Europe, um, when I was stationed at um, SHAPE, which is part of NATO, that was my last duty assignment before I retired the first time. We had, we created a, it was called a, like a SAMFI rapid response team, sexual assault medical forensic examiner. And so any of our soldiers or Air Force, anybody in the services over in Europe, wherever they were, if they were in the field, if they were on base, anywhere in Europe, and they needed um, forensic nursing services, they would call this number, which went to the ER at Launchstool, and they would say they want to come to Launchstool or they want us to come to them. So there I flew to Romania, I flew to Bulgaria, I flew to all sorts of countries in Europe to go to them so they wouldn't have to come out of the field. So in the military, there's a couple different ways that they do forensic nursing. Um, Korea, it was a little different there as well. So um, it's fascinating and um, it's growing up and watching how the Department of Defense has developed their forensic nursing program because I was there in the beginning of it. Um, It's just been wonderful and fascinating. And I love the flexibility. It's based on need and where you are and all of that. So that was a good experience as well. Well, I'm, I wonder, and you can tell me because every program has different ways in which they maintain a chain of custody. And Mm -hmm. so for the audience listening, the way it typically works, at least in my experience is you go in as the nurse, you take, you know, their history, you collect evidence. And then in DC, the way that we did it at the time is you either had detectives right there on the spot and you could give them the evidence kit. You typically didn't. What you would then typically do is lock it in a safe and then you could maintain the chain of custody and then the detectives would come back and get it when and if they needed it. Oftentimes, you know, a lot of these cases don't go to trial. And so you have these kits that kind of live forever. And where 
where do, where are they kept? I don't know. So in the military, what did you do with your kits and your evidence? Well, most of the time, I have to admit. So there was a police officer. So I did mostly Army um, okay. cases, sometimes Air Force. So in the Army, you have military police, which are your police officers, and then you have CID agents. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it was a restricted case, the MPs would come pick it up. Now, if it was an unrestricted case, then CID would come pick it up. So of all the exams I did in the military, even out in foreign countries, I have always handed it off to law enforcement. And so right. I was always able to do that in Korea, in Europe, and in the United States as well. I was fortunate enough to always be able to hand it off to law enforcement. Now, sometimes I'd have to wait a couple hours, but I was fortunate that I was always able to hand it off to one of the law enforcement officers. So what is what is restricted versus unrestricted? What does that mean? So in the military, if it's a restricted report, the patient comes in and they don't want anybody to know what happened. So you don't report it to the chain of command. There's no investigation. They receive the services that they want. We do the medical services and then... Um, refer them for counseling or follow-up care, and nobody knows that nobody in chain of command, there's no investigation. Unrestricted launches the investigation, and then you have CID involved and the chain of command involved, and so then you're going into the justice side as well. I gotcha. Okay. Wow. So how long had you been in the Army doing how long have you been in the army doing nursing before you started the forensic nursing piece in the army? About four years. Okay. And then you did that for how long until you retired? Yes. Okay. And then, so now, so tell everyone again, how long were you in the army total? 22 years between the two times I retired and then I went back in during COVID and, uh, helped with mass immunizations. One of my best friends was the commander at West Point, the hospital there. Yeah. And she called me. She's like, Kelly, will you come back on a retiree recall and lead my mass immunizations for me? Because we worked together at, in NATO. And I was like, yes, I'll come back for you. So then I went back in for a little while and then retired again. All of this just warms my heart so much because I don't really have anyone. I mean, we're not, this isn't Marine talk, but I don't, talk to anyone about the military at all, you know, and I just, I had a great experience when I was in the military. So it warmed my heart to hear all of this. Me too. I, it was amazing. I, um, I, you just, the experiences that you have in the military and the opportunities. I mean, I've done the different types of nursing that I was able to do in the military that I don't know if you have the same opportunities as quickly. You know, I did med surge nursing. I did trauma nursing. I did ICU nursing. I did public health nursing. I did forensic nursing, you know, all in the span of 22 years. So, yeah, it's, and there's other things you can do. As an operating room, I was an operating nurse. I didn't have the identifier, we called it. Like, I didn't go to the operating nurse school. But when I was a trauma nurse in Iraq, I could go into the OR and watch the operation because that was my patient, you know. <laughs> so yeah. that was kind of cool. I was like, it's a really cool experience. And anybody wants to be a military nurse, I you would never hear me say, no, don't do it because it is a fascinating, a wonderful career. I love that. I'm so glad that you said that. So fast forward, mm-hmm. you have retired 
now. Your army time is over for now. Who knows? They might call you back. (laughs) And now you have your own consulting firm. Tell us, I'll restate the name. It's KM Consulting LLC, and it's a forensic nurse consulting firm. Is that accurate? Correct. Correct. Okay. Tell us about how did you start it? What are you doing now? What does all of this mean? Well, when I was in Korea, and I was actually a public health nurse in Korea, and I was uh, approached by the chief nurse up in Seoul. She knew Mm -hmm. that I had a forensic nursing background. I had done these exams, and they were just starting their program. So she asked me if I would help her. And so I did. And so we trained other nurses um, to do exams. Uh, we actually, I think we trained like 135 nurses the three and a half years I was in Korea to do exams. So then we'd have examiners all over the peninsula for our, our actually active duty, their family members. And we actually had pediatric forensic nurses as well. And so it was while I was over there, the um, head of JAG, which is the legal, like for the lawyers, Judge Advocate mm-hmm. General, asked me if I'd look over some of the paperwork that's for a trial. Yeah. Like to say, to see if the um, SAMPI, Sexual Assault Medical Forensic Examiner, it's called in the military, did a good job on the paperwork. And so that's how it started. I was like looking at them and letting them know where there were some questions where, you know, I, I never, I never wanted to be combative or tell somebody that they did a terrible job or anything, but I always wanted it to be a conversation of like where we could improve. Opportunities for improvement. Opportunities for improvement. Dr. Markowitz, Jen Markowitz, who trained me when I was in the military, is amazing. And she she instilled that in me, that it's a collegial encounter with the other side, if you're on the government side or the defense side, whatever. So that's how I started. I just started reviewing the paperwork. And then I started testifying. And then, so then I started testifying for other attorneys. My name got out and they asked me to come there. So I would let my command know, hey, I need to go over to this base for this trial. And it started that way. And I did enough exams and I met enough attorneys so that when I retired, I started my LLC and I do the same thing. But now I'm not in the military anymore. So now I, you know, I have fees and stuff like that. Yes. Well, so you, you were telling us before we started where all of the places that you've traveled to in order to do this consulting. Tell us about some of those places. Oh, okay. Well, I just recently, I got back from Germany. I was in Germany this summer. I'm going back to Germany next week. Um, I've been to Italy, Romania, um, Bulgaria, um, uh, Korea. I have a case coming up in Japan this fall. So pretty much anywhere that there's a military base um, and they do trials, I can go. That is, so do you love that? You have to love the travel. I do love the travel. As I get older, um, because it's (laughs) harder to go back and forth to to Europe, like go Europe, United States, Asia, back to the United States. Now, when I was in Korea, I went back and forth every other month from Korea to the United States. And of course, I was much younger then, uh, but it's uh, I now I allow myself a day to recuperate. Like I don't plan any activities. I don't do anything when I come back from a case because it's emotionally draining. Maybe not for all consultants, but I um, 
I, I don't let any biases show like on the stand. I'm there to interpret the medical evidence, but sometimes it's a really emotional case. Um, sometimes they're long cases that can be a couple weeks and you get really, I uh, allow myself to be emotionally connected to people. And so I allow myself that day to decompress and then that seems to help a lot with the travel. I have another friend who does forensic nurse consulting, not a ton, but you know, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And she stopped taking, I think it was like murder victims. She's like, I, I cannot look at these photos anymore. Yep. I can't do it because how can, I mean, you know, I, I imagine the same goes with the detectives and the attorneys who are doing this every day, all day, but she's like, Nope, I got other stuff going on. I'm going to take one a year. <laughs> yeah. I've taken breaks from different types of nursing from pediatrics. I took a five-year break. Um, I was the, I think I was the only pediatric forensic examiner in Korea for three and a half years. So I was always on call. So I did take a break from that for a while, but I do pediatric um, cases now too. But, um, and sometimes I just take six months off to do some, you know, that take care of yourself. I've learned that. I am a hopeless workaholic. So anybody who knows me, they know, like, I'm just used to working seven days a week, 10, 16, 24, 36 hours straight. So you have, I have learned I need to take that time so I don't burn out because I have burned out a couple of times, but um, now I do the self-care. I know what I need to do. I know the warning signs and I work with amazing lawyers and my fellow consultants, we all work together. We are like, hey, I can't do this case. Can you do this case? I need to take a break. Can you take my cases for me? You know, so it's a great collegial team of um, men and women. Yeah. You seem like you have a lot of energy and I need some. How <laughs> <laughs> I I think oh, is caffeine. What is this? <laughs> no, actually, I have not. I well, I did. I had a half a cup of coffee this morning, um, but no, I think it's just when you. This is people tell me that uh, my face lights up when I talk about forensic nursing and I talk oh. about consulting. When I was the director of nursing at a uh, retirement community, you know, and I was telling my team about the different types of nursing I've done in the past. Um, they're just, they said the same thing. You just light up when I was trying to decide if I was going to retire or not. And I was like, ah, um, the first time I retired, I was 50 and I was like, so I either have to stay in now until I don't work anymore or I can get out and I can try this consulting, you know? So then I got out and the pandemic hit. <laughs> so the first couple of years did not go so well, but now that we you know, we're post pandemic and second retire time I retired, um, now it's going pretty well. I'm pretty busy. I've had to turn some cases away and now I have friends that want to join the company. So it's going really well. That's so great. So you're an entrepreneur. I guess so. <laughs> Congratulations, Kelly. You are an entrepreneur. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I never think of myself that way. I was just like, I can, now I have money to travel because, you know, I retired. So I have my military pension that pays my bills. And so actually I was doing consulting because I love it. And it was that extra to spoil my grandkids and travel. Yeah. But now I'm doing more of the business part of it too. I'm running it as a proper business and yeah. it's going really well. I love that. So what would you say to nurses out there who have thought about army nursing, but were hesitant, afraid, weren't sure where to start. What, 
tips or advice would you give them? Um, oh, let's see. You really have to love nursing and you have to be able to, this was the part that was kind of challenging for me. In the military, yeah, you can be a great nurse, but you also have to have military bearing. So you have to be able to wear the uniform, be respectful, stand at ease, you know, salute, do all of those things. And so if you love nursing and you uh, can work well with other people and you can hurry up and wait, because when you're, if, if nobody knows what that means, it's like you rush, 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 and then you wait, like in lines for things, or sometimes depending on where where you're working, you just have to be able to be very flexible. Um, your time is not your own. You're going to, depending on where you work and if you deploy, it's not like a job where you work three days, one week, three twelves, one week and four twelves the next. Yeah, don't expect that. So expectation management would be something that you would have to have and to talk to army nurses that are on active duty now in the specialty that you want to do. And just make sure that you know exactly what you're getting into because army nursing isn't for everybody. You have to do PT yeah. tests. So you're going to be running, you're going to do sit-ups, you're going to be doing push-ups, you're going to be firing weapons, you're going to be traveling, you know. So it's like army and nursing. But it is an amazing, um, if you can do that combination and make it work, it is the most amazing experience I've ever had. I'm so glad that you said that. So where can people find you if they wanted to, I don't know, reach out, learn a little more? We looked it up earlier, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I do have a website uh, that is uh, meisterforensicconsulting.com. No, no, it's meisterforensicnurseconsulting.com. I should know my own website. You could also reach me at my email. It's okay. kelly.c as in charlie.meister at gmail. You can always contact me that way as well. I have LinkedIn. So if you just Google Kelly Meister, my uh, I'm a blonde uh, person with a uh, leopard print blazer on. You'll see that picture and that's my LinkedIn. You can reach me on LinkedIn as well. I love that because maybe someone's not near an army base or maybe they don't know any army nurses and they're like, well, I, they're hesitant to reach out and maybe they can reach out and you can say, go army. Yes. Or if you want to do Air Force or Navy, I know nurses in all the services. So I can point you in the right direction to whatever branch or in whatever specialty that you want to do. I can hook you up with someone who will talk to you about it. I was a Marine and people probably don't know this. I don't know why you would. Marines don't have their own medical. They get it from the Department of the Navy because Marines are in the Department of the Navy. So I'm used to Navy nurses, Navy docs, corpsmen. They're not nurses, but you know, they're basically EMTs and um, that's so amazing corpsmen. They did my stitches one time. I lost a battle with my trunk latch. Oh. <laughs> corpsmen stitched me up, no scars. <laughs> My dad was a Navy corpsman in Vietnam, so I have wow. a, yeah, but he still has some of his books that tell you yep. how long to boil water and all this stuff when you're abroad and that sort of thing. That's but awesome. Anyway, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I was excited when I got the message and I'm like, absolutely. This sounds like fun. So happy to talk to you anytime. Yes. Thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Black Sheep Nurse podcast. If you want more, head on over to blacksheepnurse.com for show notes and resources from today's episode. You can also join our email list and the website and have the link to weekly notes delivered directly to your inbox. And if you're looking for more everyday fun and community, join us on Instagram at Black Sheep Nurse.